Japanese scientist Masuro Emoto conducted a study in the 90s of how water responds to positive and negative speech, images, and music. He found consistent evidence that regardless of where the water came from, the tap, a stream, the toilet, the rain, when it was treated with care and positivity and then frozen, the ice crystals would form in positive and orderly patterns. And when it was treated harshly and negatively, the ice patterns would be in chaotic and negative patterns. There is also conclusive evidence that speaking kindly to plants produces positive results as well. Although scientists are a little torn about that, they think it might just be the, ox you know, the, the, the breath that we breathe on them and that's what helps them. So it's probably helpful to sing or, or speak kindly to your plants, but it's probably okay even if you have Metallica playing. We don't really need to have studies on waters and plants though to know that speaking loving, kind, positive things is good for us and for the whole world. Just a few kind, positive, and encouraging words can save someone. I've heard many stories of folk who were bent on hurting themselves, ready and had a plan to end their lives. And because of the kindness of a stranger or someone they loved, a kind word, it changed their mind. It literally saved their lives. Kindness diffuses anger. When anger is met with kindness or a kind word or a smile, it changes the environment and changes the energy around a situation. When it's practiced, it's powerful. As the Isaiah 50 passage puts it so beautifully, the Lord has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Conversely, as James so descriptively puts it, the tongue can be a restless evil filled with deadly poison. He goes on and on about how destructive the tongue can be. It's pretty intense. A spark that can grow and be, given as, be used as fuel, obliterating everything in its path. You think about the hateful words of powerful people throughout the street, and we know that this is true. What we say is powerful. It can be used to destroy or build up. Even ourselves. Immersing ourselves in negativity, anger, and demeaning speech damages our own hearts as well as our neighbors. Not to mention the poor water. It's not a surprise then that Jesus was curious about what folk were saying about him. Those closest to Jesus were the epicenter of every rumor and story and tidbit that Jesus um, about Jesus that spread to the masses. Today we have social media to spread rumors and lies. Back then, it was only word of mouth. From the watering hole, to the marketplace, to the synagogue, to the donkey stalls, words about Jesus went from tongue to tongue to tongue. Little did people know that when their heart lurched at a tale of healing or a miracle, or an epic diss of the religious authorities. They were hearing about the one who had come to save them and set them and every generation after them free to live in love. So the disciples answered the question of who people said Jesus was this way. Elijah, John the Baptist, the prophets, 
And these predictable correlations place Jesus in a space of teacher and prophet, one who convicts and points to God and can sustain the weary with a word. But as always, Jesus pressed them further. But who do you say that I am? And Peter, never, let, never one to let silence stay unbroken, responded quickly, you are the Messiah. The disciples, after all, had not left their families and livelihoods and friends and futures just to follow another prophet. They left everything to gain a new future for themselves and for their people in the Messiah. So Jesus responded with talking about what this Messiah business was going to look like on the ground. About how he was going to die. How he'd be betrayed and tortured and killed. His words shook them to their very bones. Terrifying. Because this was, as you know, not the vision of the Messiah that was held dearly by the chosen people. The Messiah was supposed to come and bring victory and recompense, revenge and glory. The Messiah was supposed to be the ultimate winner warrior. And not just for everyone, but for God's chosen. So Peter, again, quick to regain his ability to speak despite the circumstances, responded with incredulousness, taking Jesus to the side and rebuking him for his negative speech. Come on, man. Be more positive than that. This is not how it's going to turn out. Buck up. But Jesus likened him to Satan for suggesting that the path of suffering and resurrection be circumvented. To Jesus, the ultimate evil would be to avoid walking in solidarity with the suffering of humanity and showing his love. At first blush, our scriptures today could be turned into a feel-good and quickly applicable message about talking nice to others, right? After all, the crystals in the water, the plants. It is true. If it is within our power, we should be building each other up and never tearing anyone down. People of God, you are meant to be encouragers. You are. You are meant to speak words of life to, your, to yourself in the mirror and then to every other person that you come in contact who is a beautiful and beloved child of God, you are meant to show love and never judgment. You should be making every glass of water you drink freeze into beautiful formations of crystals with your loving speech. You should. But don't you dare use your tongue to placate the world or to defend the status quo. Don't you dare take the teeth out of the gospel. Use your tongue to encourage and not to judge but don't get in the way of Jesus' march towards resurrection. Resurrection is what saves the world. Who do we say that Jesus is? I think we as Christians can get caught up in what we imagine that we should be as Christians, which is kind of really nice, right? We should just be nice. We think we should be out-nicing the nicest people in the world, and I do hope that we are nice. But I also hope that we can use our tongues and our lives and our witness to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah just not for a chosen few, but for the whole world. The one who sets us all free. Peter, you, me, the water. Jesus has set us all free because of the march to the cross. 
the embracing of his humanity, his courageous death, and his victorious resurrection, that path of the cross that he invites us to as well. Pick up your cross and follow me. His disciples would have preferred a more victorious and public um, win without the unpleasantness of the uh, dying on the cross, a, a common criminal's death. That would have fit better into the myth of the otherworldly, powerful Messiah that they had. But it would not have set anyone free. Jesus' death and resurrection sets us free because it shows us the way. It shows us how to walk in a world that is suffering. In a body that will die one day. With friends and family who are imperfect. While wars rage and hurricanes ravage and orcas die while we watch with binoculars from afar. And it shows us how to stay humble and vulnerable so that we can connect to the power of God and liberate those around us by our witness of courage and truth and love in the resurrected Christ. It's not simply niceness. And it's not a straight and an unimpeded road to victory. The way of Jesus is revolution. The pattern of resurrection. Tell that to your water. Tell that to your friends. Hold it in your heart. Proclaim it to your enemies. Raise up your children with it. Live it and watch it change the world. These are the words that will sustain the weary. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Let Us Ever Walk with Jesus. It's hymn number 802.